Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome in Red Sox Beat, of course, here on CLS Media, the leading online provider for audio and video coverage of your Boston Red Sox. Follow the coverage at Red Sox CLNS. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. And please, please, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Smash the subscribe button as every week we're new, ready to go. A little late as we record, little technical difficulties. We don't record video, but my headset wasn't working, so I'm literally wearing earbuds under my headset to make sure Jess isn't coming through my computer. Long story short, we are recording. Jess Thomas on that side. I am Jared Scally. Jess, we're doing the show. How are you? Doing well. Not feeling fantastic, but I'm uh, powering through to talk about my baseball because there's nothing better to talk about. Yeah, seriously, five and five week. Uh, Jess is having a kid on the way uh, this week as we record. It's very exciting, so uh, it might be the last show for at least a week, if not more, for Jess uh, until he gets settled in. But big congratulations to you, sir. You're going to be a father very, very soon. Yeah, hard to believe, but uh, we'll take it a day at a time, and uh, it'll be good. But I hope that everyone will not miss my beautiful voice too much, but I will be back. I'm not going to stop doing the show because I have a child. I'm just going to take a little time off. <laughs> you got, as, gotta be happy wife, happy should. life. Happy wife, happy life, right? Got to take right. care of you and the kids. So um, you don't have a baby yet, so we can talk about some baseball. Um, That's right. Biggest thing, I think, that it's been headlining this week and obviously capped off by, as we record the show, Mookie Betts made his return tonight in Baltimore, but... The offense has been struggling without Mookie Betts in the lineup. Um, and obviously that one game that J.D. didn't play didn't look even better. But how much is this team now relying on Mookie Betts, Jess? Because I, I look at the way this this has shaken up with him not in the lineup, and it really shows me how deep they're not behind him and J.D. Martinez. Yeah, that game without both of them on Friday, the one nothing loss to the White Sox, really, really showed you how much they rely on those two guys. And I know people always do the thing like, oh, well, it's only one player. It's only two players. And yes, that is true. But when you when you realize that that knocks everybody up one slot and then you're putting worse guys at the end, it makes a huge difference, even missing just one guy. So I don't buy that argument when people say, it's only one guy, because you hear that a lot. And I'm like, yes, but no. So I think that it, it does matter more. And yeah, I mean, when you, in your bottom of your lineups, like, you know, JBJ, Holt, even though Holt is playing well this year, I'll give him credit for that. But just name-wise, JBJ, Holt, Nunez, Leon, you know, Vasquez, like it's a lot of guys who you're not like itching to to get up to the plate with their, you know, 150 to 210 batting average hold hold excluded from that. So, I think it makes a big difference and I think the holes really show when when JD also wasn't in, which was just the one game. But I mean, you look at the runs after a 6 and 7 run game Tuesday, Wednesday, those were great on both ends, but then on Thursday two runs, Friday zero, Saturday four, and those that was basically just two home runs. Um, J.D. Martinez with the big one to make it 4-2. And then Sunday, only two runs again. And then, as we record here, as the game just ended on Monday, two runs again tonight, and it took 12 innings. So, like, there's not much offense going on. They're not producing a lot of runs. Fortunately, the pitching's been good enough that they've won more games than not. But, you know, this, this past week, they went 3-3 three and three against subpar teams. So, like, a little concerning. Obviously, they have a big lead uh, in the majors as a whole after that great start, which is 
what's great about that. But the offensive concerns are there, especially when you're not having your your uh, your one or two hitters in the lineup. Mookie Betts goes one for five tonight in his return. Um, he before we get further into the offense question. I do want to talk about this a little bit just because it was kind of brought up on the way home listening to some of the pregame stuff around here in the city before this game tonight. And the big question that keeps coming up today, Jess, has been, did they rush him back? Because supposedly here on Monday, he was supposed to go play a couple a rehab game, if not two, in single-A Salem. And now he, he's the one that said, no, I'm ready. I want to play tonight. And then they put him in the lineup. I don't know. I don't know if they rushed him back. I think they just trust his val- trust him. They've seen what he's been doing. They see his swing, and they they claim there's no discomfort. He says there's no discomfort, so why not? If he doesn't need the rehab, set, you don't need it. Um, I think I'm in his camp in this. Of like, I don't think they rushed him back. Um, but you know that's going to pop up if he starts having a couple bad games and he doesn't look like himself. Instead of actually people saying, "Oh well, he has he hasn't played in a couple weeks," they're going to go, "Oh, they must have rushed him back. He's still hurt." Right, and especially after Pedroia. People think they rushed him back because he, even though they said they expected him to have pain, so I don't really buy that. But uh, I don't actually think they rushed him back for a couple of reasons. One, it was longer than they expected in the first place because yeah. when he first got hurt, people thought it was going to be a you know one to three day thing. Well, yeah, no one expected him on the couple... DL at all. Right, exactly. So in that sense, it didn't seem like it was that bad of an injury, and then it obviously lingered, and then they obviously didn't play him for a couple of weeks with the DL stint. So. I don't think for that reason and for the fact that, he, like you said, he put himself into the game. They wanted him to have rehab stints, and he was just like, nope. And I don't know if that's him wanting to help the team because he can see the offense isn't going or he actually feels good enough. I know he said that he felt like very little soreness after doing like a full program workout. So I think he's fine. Obviously, we'll see over a couple days and see if he continues to stay in the lineup and if no pain lingers because he's had a couple things this year where a few things have lingered and he's missed a game here or there. So I'm interested to see. But in terms of this injury, for all those reasons I just said, I don't think they rushed him back. I think it made sense. Yeah, no, I do too. I think, you know, especially with Mookie being who he is, they value his opinion. They value what um, he says about his body. And they say, he says he's comfortable, he's ready to go. And I think tonight, he's sorry. Yeah, he went one for five, but he hit some, he hit some ropes. At first, the first at bat he had, he first pitch, he croaked the ball. It just happened to go right to the, the, the defense. So I, I think he'll be fine. I don't think this is going to be a Pedroia situation because I think Pedroia is obviously a lingering knee thing. But I think this speaks to a bigger picture of the offense of they might have – if the offense was fine and they haven't been lagging behind a little bit, Jess – they might have not listened to Betts and just said, you know what, go play a couple of games in Salem. We're doing okay. Let's not push it. They might have brought him. I don't say it's too early. I'm not saying they rushed him back, but they might have brought him, said okay to that because they did need him in the lineup. Right. It's. I mean, yeah, It's. there's a few ways to think about it. One, it's the mid, mid-June, so you're not like in a September race where you're like, we have to you know, have our best players for every game. On the other hand, you have the Yankees who are, you know, right there with the Sox. The records are kind of weird because the Sox have played five more games in the Yankees, which is hilarious. Those, At this those, point rainouts, season, man, those rainouts, man. I know. It's so, it's just strange. So the records, you can never really add them up because they just don't add up because of the discrepancy of games. But the Yankees are right there, so there's always kind of that urge to keep winning because you know they are too. So he probably felt that a little bit. So I think if the situation in the division was different, you know, maybe that would have been different. But I think that I think he was just like, I need to play. We need me. So let's just start the week off and, and come back. So I'm glad he did. And yeah, he did hit some ropes. So he, that's the thing with him is when he he's had several injuries, but every time he comes back, he looks good and he stays in the game. So I think he has a really good sense of 
what his body feels like, maybe more than other guys. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think the way Mookie's body is, is made, for lack of a better term, it I think it's just like, he looks like he shouldn't be as strong as he is. He looks like he's whimsical, and he looks like he might be able to break at, at the, any mo- wrong movement. Um, I think that's what scares some people too, Jess, is that, you know, is he fragile? I don't think so. I think Mookie's tougher than his body might look, and I think he's stronger than his body might look, obviously, because of the power that he has, but... I think that he ha- he does have some higher risk for injury than like a JD Martinez just because of his build. Yeah, I mean it, he's an interesting size. He's not that big, but he's got such a swing and such power. But yeah, it's, I mean the torque he uses to like to do that. It's swing, on those like, hips, baby. It's on those right. hips. And although it does look, it looks like it's smooth. Also, I mean you you see how like how much he's like turning and like the torque on his body, like it, that's got to take a toll on you, even if you are smooth. Yeah, no, and I think it's like Pedroia. Same idea. I think Mookie's is obviously a little mm-hmm. smoother uh, than Pedroia's swing, but Pedroia uses that same lower body like drive to get his power. Mookie Betts is the same way. It's obviously a little more fluid, and it's more of like a slingshot swing type situation, but I think he's definitely prone to injury. I understand why they brought him back, but you have to also think about this too is that you know, the Red Sox might be pressing a little bit here to make sure they're ahead of the Yankees come the trade deadline. And, and this is something that's not a unique thought to me. Tony Maz said this on the Sports Hub on the Baseball Reporters on the way home. That's why I thought of this. The Yankees, one, are, are obviously have those games in hand, so you don't know what those are going to be. you got to pray that you're ahead of the Yankees, and I completely agree with this, because the Yankees and the Astros both have the pieces to make moves to acquire big big names at the deadline to make those pushes, to, like they did, like, say, Houston did last year with Verlander, right? It's the... Red Sox don't have the system to make the moves. They don't have the pieces to get those guys that are going to help put you over the top. This is pretty much what you get. So if you're not ahead and then the Yankees add, then you're even further behind. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the whole thing. Like You, you see people saying, like, oh, the Red Sox are going to win 105 games this year and get the wild card and have to win that one game, which is obviously an unfortunate situation. But you knew both teams were going to be good, so you could have expected that situation would have would have arose so i mean it's yeah i mean you just win as many games as you can and try to i mean the Sox have three more wins than the yankees right now but they're tied still because of the the difference in the amount of games they've played so just win as many games as you can and stay ahead of that and hope they lose a little bit and obviously the head-to-head matchups with the yankees are going to be big because that's where you can pick up games so yeah it's i mean everything's lining up good so far it's but you got to have your players healthy for sure which now is happening with Betts. And this is good. This begs to when they're healthy, which I think they're getting back there, right? If Betts is going to be fine, then really you're still just missing Bedroy, which beginning of the year you didn't have him anyway. Does right. this team actually need offensive help, or is this just uh, you're skidding without because Mookie was out for a little bit, JD missed that game, but they're getting back into it. Benintendi's been hitting so well that I don't even know if Jess, if you necessarily need the offensive help, it's just more health health than anything else. Yeah, and I go back and forth on it because the top of the lineup's like deadly. I mean, they got such good hitters with Benintendi, Bogarts, Moreland, Martinez, Betts, Devers sometimes. Um, but the bottom just, I don't know, you really feel the lack of uh, Hanley Ramirez, which is weird to say. But when he was hitting in April, I mean, his numbers were just off the charts. And then obviously May, he was terrible. But it's just like you go back to those April games and you realize like how much he helped on offense and just not having that name in there and just having those guys at the bottom of the lineup that I talked about earlier, those names with those bad batting averages, it almost makes you feel like they do need help, but obviously health is the most important thing, but 
Really, I mean, adding adding one good hitter. It sounds stupid. I mean, the who, offense who so, you already you, had, who you already had on the. I roster. know, I know, but you look at the numbers, and it's like their offensive numbers are good because Betts and JD are obviously like the two best hitters in the league, and then you throw in you know Morrill and Benintendi and guys like that. I mean, the offensive numbers are really good. It's just there's such a discrepancy between the top four or five and the bottom four or five. It's, I don't know. It's weird. It would be nice to add somebody, but I almost feel like you don't need to, but then you kind of do. It's weird. It's kind of Jekyll and Heidi. You, you need to figure it out one way or the other um, because it's a matter of a, do you trust Nunez to really step in and be the guy in terms of like consistent second base power, maybe a third base option when Devers isn't doing yeah. well. Do you expect Devers to bounce back enough to be consistent like he was last year when he came up in the beginning of this year? It's a matter of what Dombrowski and Cora project these guys to be and if they can stay. If not, maybe bring up, find a way to get a veteran here, um, whoever that might be. I don't have a name for you people, but like someone someone veteranship-wise to maybe be a third baseman bat type situation if Devers goes down, if Pedroia is back. You know, does Pedroia come back? You know, this is a situation where he's not he's now being shut down again and he hasn't even resumed baseball activity. So how soon is it until Pedroia comes back? And is, is it rushed again if he comes back? I don't know if you need offensive help right now, but you very well might need it by the deadline. Well, yeah, that's the thing. The guys that they do have in the lineup, like Devers, you know, Bradley Jr., guys like that, they strike out so much, so they're not, you know, they're not walking, they're not getting on base, so it's just like kind of a dead part of the lineup where you just can't get anybody on base, and that's the frustrating thing with strikeout guys. But like Devers, like it's like a guaranteed strikeout most of the time. Obviously, he had a big hit tonight, which was nice, but. It's just, I don't know. Strikeout guys drive me insane because it's just like, you know they're not going to get on base and it's just like an automatic strikeout. I feel like those guys aren't worth what they can actually do when they actually hit the ball. That's always driven me crazy with all strikeout guys. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, look at Chris Davis, Orioles who played, right? He's oh, such, God. I mean, he, he's obviously obvious case of steroids. Like, could you be more, any, <laughs> any more obvious? Because he was good for like that one year. His nickname was literally Crush Davis. And then yeah. out of nowhere, it's like, oh, the whiff, it might as well be a wiffle ball bat trying to hit a baseball. Like, cannot do it. And he is striking out left and right. He was getting booed tonight at Oriole Park down there at Camden Yards, which is phenomenal because I've always hated Chris Davis and I thought he was overrated. And now it's even better that he just fallen off the steroid wagon very, very hard. Um, but look, I mean, the Red Sox are struggling enough the fact that you had to go to 12 innings against the Orioles tonight in barely one. It took you two hours to get a freaking run against the worst team, one of the worst teams in baseball. I don't know if that's just them trying to figure it out, but like, you know it's going bad when it takes you a couple hours to score a run against a team that only has won, what, 14 times this year? I think they have 19. Give them a little credit. Uh, maybe a little. I'm sorry. Nine. 19 and 46, yeah, that's pretty bad. And two hours? I think you mean like three hours and 45 minutes. Yeah, to go, to go 12 innings, though. Yeah, I mean, he didn't score till the 12th inning, and it was almost 11 o'clock. So, yeah, almost four hours of no runs against a god-awful team. team. And an empty ballpark <laughs> covered mostly in Red Sox fans. It's one of those games where you're like, can you just end it? Like, somebody. I don't even care. Like, just get this game over with. Um, look, overall synopsis of the offense, I don't think you need help yet. But if they keep doing this, you do need help because the longer Pedroia is out, it doesn't put everybody back into place because I think a lot of us are projecting Pedroia to be something offensively this year. The longer he's out, the more time that takes. You need something. Or if it's Blake Swihart to produce consistently as a bat, who knows. But someone is going to probably have to step up on this roster, in my opinion, because I don't think they have the pieces to make a move to go get somebody to bring in there. And right now, 
they're they're lucky their pitching is doing well. So I mean, let's that's that's my cheap way to segue here. The pitching has been what's holding this team together right now. The offense has struggled. Stephen Wright's been phenomenal since well in the bullpen and in the rotation, and even tonight pitched another gem. So it's Stephen Wright right now. One, thank God, Pomerantz went to the DL, and we'll get to that in a second. But what's your been your input with Stephen Wright so far? Because I think when he was in the bullpen, we all, we all kind of looked at it and went, "It's a matter of time before this guy gets his spot in the rotation back." He's been awesome, man. He looks great. His knuckleball is really good. I, I is he even give, I don't even go a run since maybe one run this entire season. Like he's been absolutely dominant. He's had a really, really nice stretch here, which you kind of didn't expect because he obviously hadn't pitched in quite a while with his injury and then suspension and then injury again. Um, and I mean, ZRA is one twenty one now. Yeah, he hasn't given up a run uh, in in a month, so that's pretty awesome. So that's super encouraging. Because you really didn't know what to expect from that guy. He, you know, he wasn't even on the roster because he was suspended for the beginning of the season with domestic assault thing. So to do that and then to come back and be one of the most consistent pitchers. And now, I mean, now that he's had a couple starts, I bet you're sitting there like expecting him to throw zeros every time, right? You're not expecting him to have any runs. He's been that dominant. No, of course not. Because you just think, oh, he's going to make people whiff and he's throwing um, 60-something mile an hour, 70-something mile an hour knuckleballs to an 86-mile-an-hour fastball. And then tonight, um, Jimmy Jimmy Buchanan over here, Joe Kelly, comes in with the bases loaded and goes from a 76, 80-mile-an-hour knuckleball to a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. And that's what Stephen Wright brings you, is the value of something different every five days. And then when that comes out, and we saw it when Wakefield was here too, it's a, it's a knuckleball thing. If your knuckleball's on and consistent, as soon as the bullpen kicks in, it's like guys forgot how to hit in the majors because they're so late on the fastball. And that's how it's why Stephen Wright can go this late because they're trying to figure out how to time it. And then when you finally think, when they finally feel like they have it timed out, boom, let's throw Joe Kelly in there and let's just gas him away because now they have to revert back to what they think they knew. Stephen Wright needs to stay in the rotation. And I think even if Pomerantz comes back from this DL stint or whatever the hell it is, Stephen Wright cannot be pulled out. Yeah, I mean the nice thing about the knuckleball, which we saw with with uh, Wakefield, is that you, you know, when you when you're good, you just ride it as long as you can because it's such an unpredictable pitch that you could be great for two months and then terrible for two months. Which Wakefield had plenty of of seasons like that, basically every season almost, with them was really good or really bad. So since Wright's hot right now, you just ride him as long as you can, which is kind of nice in terms of Pomerantz because like if Wright does start to struggle at some point, then you can be like, oh. Now he's bad. Let's throw him back in the bullpen and put Pomerantz back in. So it's nice to kind of have that option of of if he's good or if he's bad for for each different start. But right now, when he's hot like this, man, ride him as hard as you can. Yeah, and you can be old, and I'll leave that one alone. But uh, you can be old, and you can throw a knuckleball for a while. Look how long Wakefield pitched, right? It's one of those things where uh, his value is only growing as he's gotten older. He's worked with Wakefield, and he's, and he's figured it out. Um, on the flip side, Jalen Beeks, woof. Um, had his major league debut on Thursday. That's all you can really say about it because he gave up what, five runs in the first inning. Didn't look ready to go. And yes, he wasn't ready. He's not a real prospect because they don't have any prospects because the only guys they have are either hurt for the year to, uh, for the Tommy John situation or got popped for cheating for PED. So those are your two real prospects in the back end. I'm curious about your thought too with the Jalen Breeks thing because – this question that kind of popped up a couple times after his start was, 
why was Blake Swihart catching that night? Um, and I don't know if I question it too much, but I do question it because you have to think about it as you have a guy who's never pitched in the majors before, now throwing to a guy who hasn't caught in the majors in how many years, making his first catching appearance. Wouldn't you want someone like Zay Vasquez or even Sandy back there who has been catching all year to kind of calm him down, call the game? Because do you trust Blake Swihart to call a game right now? Absolutely not. Yeah, that was strange. I mean, they I guess for various reasons they didn't have Swihart catch. You know, like Stephen Wright was one of the options for the game to catch, and Cora didn't want him to do that. So I guess they kind of it just fell into that, and they had him and they had Swihart do that. I'm not sure how good of a decision that was. I'm not sure how much of that really affected things. It's I mean the game got out of hand so quickly that it's kind of hard to know. But I mean this this was just frustrating just because the first two games of the series were so good, so well-pitched, and so well-hitting as well. And then you just have Beeks come in and give up five runs in the first inning before the team even gets to bat. And then, of course, Benintendi is a home run in the bottom of the first. So, like, you could have had something in that game, but it just got kind of trashed before it even started. So four innings for Beeks. He did end up getting through a couple, which was nice. But seven runs, six hits, three walks, four strikeouts. Wasn't very sharp. Obviously, it was just a spot start because they wanted to keep everyone in the same the same lineup with their rest so don't think he's gonna be getting another start for a while if ever and that's the problem with these <laughs> I was saying, he, he's probably never gonna come back up if not unless it's like absolute necessity right and that's the problem with those spot starts is like if you're terrible it just kills your confidence and then you don't get to pitch anyway so it's almost like is it worth it i don't know so that was that was frustrating that that, that happened to him because it was pretty hyped up people were really excited for him and then he just totally laid an egg and, and stunk it up so that was unfortunate. I mean, fortunately, the pitching's been good. Otherwise, that was just kind of a uh, an outlier in the group. And now we don't have to worry about it because he's not going to pitch again. But Stephen Wright is basically a guaranteed win at the moment. And Erod is basically a guaranteed win. Did you expect that Erod and Stephen Wright would be your two most consistent pitchers for the last, like, two weeks here? <laughs> no, absolutely not. And that's the crazy thing is that um, with the Drew Palmer situation – the two guys who shouldn't be the most consistent are uh, Chris Sale did look a little better in his last start. They wasted that um, big time in losing two out of three to the worst team in baseball. But let's talk about Drew Pomerantz for a second. Pomerantz is on the DL now with the uh, left bicep tendonitis. Um, do we think it's real? And I think that's the biggest question because no, <laughs> great timing. Look, guys pitching like crap. Stephen Wright's a perfect replacement, pitching well, but guys begging to get back into the rotation. And Drew Pomerantz is talking about needing to figure out his basics. This is the complete textbook phantom DL stint. It's, let's throw you on the 10-day 10 DL, 10 DL, don't touch a baseball, don't worry about it. You have an excuse, get your head on straight, you'll come back, rehab, we'll work on your mechanics in 10 days, and we'll go from there. That's what this is. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I harken back to our uh, conversation a week ago on this show where we were talking about how what, what kind of leash is he going to have, and we didn't think that they would put him in the bullpen just because of who he is. And we were like, oh, if he can just have one more good start, it would make them feel better about keeping him in the rotation. And he didn't even get that start because they put him on the DL the day before it would have been a start. So I found that funny because we talked about how it was just that one start that was going to mean everything, and he didn't even get to make it. So sure seems phantom to me. I mean, what well, I... What perfect situation. Steven Wright's dominating the bullpen. And then, oh, my God, Pomerantz. Oh, what are we going to do with him? Let's let's toss him out. So I'm kind of surprised. I, I, I didn't think imagine. of him being a phantom DL student, the, the pessimist that I am with this baseball team most times. But you know what? It might be a good thing. Clear head, 
get away. You're still with the team. We know you can pitch. Look at what he did last year, right? Um, the only thing that makes me believe that he's not healthy, and this might be real, is simply because of look what happened last year when he was supposedly 100% healthy. That's the only reason why I could even think about this believing me believing this isn't a phantom DL simp, but I do think it is. Um, he he's not pitching been right. I think it's a mechanics thing. He'll be he'll, he'll be on the DL for the ten days. Go to the minors, fix the basics, keep doing the rehab stint. And then when he thinks he's figured something out, maybe they'll give him a start. Maybe they'll put him in the bullpen. I don't even know what they're gonna do when he comes off the DL because right now, who are you gonna give a spot to? Right, because you're not going to give it to Sale, you're not going to give it to Porcello, Price. They've won Price's last six starts, so that's good. Those and top three are never Gerard, coming right. out of the rotation. Price, David Price could pitch as crappy as he wants to. He's not coming out of the rotation because they have way right. too much money invested into him. So it leaves Erod, who's 7-1, and one, and Stephen Wright, who hasn't given up a run in a month. Sorry, Drew. But, so where, where is he? You're going to be like a six-man rotation? It's pretty much your only option because you can't drop any of those guys from the rotation. But I guess an injury, that's what he'll just have to wait for somebody to get hurt, I guess. Kind of like what happened to him if, if, if the injury is even a real thing. So, yeah, I, it'll, it'll be interesting. But I hope he figures it out. And I hope he, you know, gets healthy or whatever because, you know, having a guy who was 17-6 and six last year would be pretty awesome to have in the rotation. But he's not dealing right now, and there's no spot for him. So I guess he just waits. I just thought of this, and this is before we get to the Otani news real quick because Otani, oof, man. Um, <laughs> would, if... Pomerantz comes back, he figures it out. Now you have six starters who are competent, and maybe even seven if you count Hector Velasquez, who can mm. physically start in this league and who've shown success. Does that? Does one of these guys become that trade chip they need to compete with the Yankees at the deadline to get something they actually need? That's a fascinating question. Like, does Drew does Drew Pomerantz build up value? Does Dave Dombrowski have the balls to go? You know what? We got seven guys who can start. We can waste one of them to get something else that we need if the Yankees are going to make a move too. I don't know. I mean, it's tough because obviously the guy who you probably get the most for that you'd be willing to give up would be Pomerantz right now, but nobody's going to want a guy with a 6 ERA, you'd imagine. So he needs to pitch to get better, but he's not going to be pitching right now. So I don't think you're going to get much for right. Uh, maybe Erod, but I feel like they'd be really hesitant to get rid of him because overall in his career he's pitched well when, when he's been healthy and he's pitching really well this year. So I, I don't really see any of them. I mean, I guess it probably makes the most sense to just have the pitching depth in case people get hurt because that seems to always happen because it just doesn't really make sense to get rid of them based on what's happening right now. I think the only thing that would make sense is if you look at Hector Velasquez and go, do I project him to be a long-term starter for this team, or is this just flashes of him getting a chance to succeed? Because if he's healthy and you can trade him and maybe even Jackie Bradley, I think Jackie Bradley still has some value across the league. You could even toss those two in a good deal and get something pretty good in return, um, and you have the pieces around you to kind of put that together. If you really value Blake Swihart, great. There's, your, there's an outfielder. J.D. Martinez can play more outfield. That's fine. Um, losing Jackie Bradley wouldn't be a heartache to this team. It wouldn't be a... a losing situation as long as you got something valuable in return. I think Hector Velasquez and Jackie Bradley Jr. are the valuable, I guess, assets you have, but you have to set them out together. Yeah, that's fascinating. I hadn't thought of that yet. Yeah, I think you could probably get something decent for the two of them. Maybe even a little better than decent above average. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's funny because Velasquez was just signed out of the Mexican League. Like, he was a nobody, but he's proved that he can actually pitch here. So, I think people might take a flyer on him, and he's pitched enough that I think people might be okay with trading for him. So 
I think he's pitched himself into a pretty good spot here because obviously if was, if this was last year, you wouldn't get anything for him. So good for him for it, being able to do that. Obviously, I want him to pitch well f- for us while he's here, but I could definitely see that if if somebody sees the value in him. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be your only bet. So like you said, Pomerantz, I don't think it's going anywhere. The value isn't there right now. Erod's not going anywhere. They love Erod. If they wanted to trade Erod, they would have done it a long time ago. Um, yeah, seriously. And then the top three aren't going anywhere because they're just they're, they're your top three. And then Stephen Wright's not going anywhere because they love him. They would have traded him already. They would have let him go. They've, he, they've given he's given them every reason to let him go, and he hasn't done it yet. So right with domestic thing, they could have just shot him right and out. They could have shipped him right out. So. I think Velasquez and Bradley are a combination of some prospects. Maybe even Sam Travis, I think, has some value around the league as much as our, our own Nick Qualia might hate to hear that because uh, <laughs> he's a big Sam Travis guy. But that might be where you have to start messing with it. I think JBJ would be a major piece along with Velasquez or some of the other guys if you're going to make a move. And you might have to because the Yankees are going to. And if you are believing in what you're feeding all of us, that you are a contender, you're going to have to make some sort of move at the deadline. Because right now, Jess, I don't believe they are contenders in, ter- in the sense of they have everything they absolutely need to win, especially if the Yankees do make a move. I mean, a 45-22 and 22 record sounds like a contender to me, but there are some holes. There's definitely some holes. They're a contender, but they're not like they're gonna. I'm not guaranteeing myself they're gonna make a deep run, especially when they're only in first place because the Yankees can't avoid Mother Nature. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Those games will be interesting to see what they do with those. But yeah, I mean, it's weird because like, like we asked uh, Chris Cotillo the other uh, show, like, does the Red Sox are the Red Sox as good as their record says? And he said yes, basically. And I agree with him, but a lot of people say no. So I wonder if in the current state right now, if the playoffs were starting, would people be picking the Red Sox? I feel like it's the answer is no, even though I think it should be. It's weird. It's a strange dynamic. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, moving on, before we get out of here for the predictions, uh, Shohei Otani is making news around Major League Baseball this week. Frightfully so, because one reports with the Angels saying he might not be out for the year. He has a... Um, with an elbow injury, it was a sprained at UCL. Is that what it is, or what, what's? The, I can't remember the exact spot, but either way, I know it was UCL. It was a, uh, it, was it a sprained UCL or was it a partial? I don't know. I can tell you're looking it up by the, the reaction you have on your face through the video here. Um, Angels think it's hopeful that he might not sprained. be gone for the season. Yeah. Sprained UCL um, reports outside of the Angels organization. Um, I believe it was Buster only, right? That saying that it's likely that he's going to have Tommy John surgery. If he goes into Tommy John right now, they're saying he might not pitch again until 2020. It's only 2018, right. people. That's they're a- saying the rest of the season and all of next season. Oh, my God. Which, I mean, if you think that's what it takes, great. He is 23, comes out 25, and is ready to go, and he's healthy. That's fine. But then you have a mechanics question. Do they let him play both ways? There's a lot of factors. Is he as good as is yeah. they think he's going to be if that happens? Exactly. So it's a big picture now. I'm going to spin it back to the Red Sox here for a second because obviously we know the impact it has on baseball. It sucks because, you know, like, the guy who can hit two, play both ways, and he was good at both sides of the ball. That's a great news for your Red Sox fan. Now, if you get stuck in the one game playoff and you play the Angels, you're good. You don't got to face. <laughs> o- you don't. You don't have to face Otani. Yeah, ain't that true? Yeah, it's a big decision for them to make because obviously the first reports we saw for this were he's going to have Tommy John, and then their GM's like, hold on. 
hold on, we don't know that yet. We're still figuring it out. So you go from missing two years to maybe not. So that's a big decision to make. Is this actually serious enough to have Tommy John? Like you said, the AG is a 23. Might make sense to get it over with now if that is a problem instead of having it linger for years on end. But, boy, if he has Tommy John and misses the next year and a half, then what a letdown. If there's even a chance <laughs> of having it, though, you got you're right. You have to have it. Because you're at this age, you have time to build it back up. If you wait and wait, and then it gets worse, then your career is over. So I think, depending on what the doctors say, I, I think if you're him, if you're Otani, and there's a chance you need it, just do it. Because at least you, if it's like a, you probably should do it, you don't need to, but then like you're going to have to pitch you some pain, and you really don't know, and you might need it in two years anyway. Open me up, Doc. I'll wait. Like, what's the point? What's the point of risking your career? Or does he get rid of this pitcher batter stuff and pretend he's not Babe Ruth anymore and just be a hitter instead of be a pitcher? I don't but, know. I mean, you don't would, see this anymore. But would you know? he still need the surgery if he has? If he needs Tommy John, he needs Tommy John. Then right. after that, yeah, he, he might hitting. stop hitting. But like, the biggest thing is if he, if you're gonna go, he's gonna pick. He's a pitcher first. Like that's what he is. So if if you stop him from doing one thing, it's gonna be hitting. So then you still need the Tommy John, which means you might as well just do it now. Right. Well, the whole thing's ironic to me because, like, the whole big draw with him was that he did pitch and hit, and nobody does that anymore. Nobody ever does that. So it would be ironic to me if that was his big draw, and then he has to get Tommy John, and then he ends up only doing one of those things anymore. I feel like that completely, like, knocks off the excitement factor and, like, what made him unique. If they just get rid of that, I feel like it's just kind of a big waste of time. It's just another big ace now. I mean, don't get me wrong, filthy pitcher when his stuff's on but like now it's just another guy who we brought over and is, you're paying him a boat ton of money to come play in the majors. You're not it's right, not the to be, guy to be injury prone and inconsistent. Exactly. It's, it's, at this another, point. it's just another guy who needs Tommy John. That's why the surgery exists. Um, yeah. I think he has it. I think he's out. I don't know about 2020. That's a haul of a way away. But um, if they don't want him to be out till 2020, it's got to happen now. Um, so I think he has it. I think you're going to know next week or so um, that he's going to have it. And I think from there it's. He, he comes back, he goes ready to go, and then he pitches, and that's it. He's I think he's gonna I think he's done hitting in the major leagues. Well, it's funny too because like there's different timelines for hitters and pitchers with Tommy John, but it's like what's the timeline when you're both? Yeah, what, <laughs> you have to like tack it on. Is that why it's 2020? Because yeah, is like, that why? It's, it? Like, it's, right? Who knows? Um, it's like six months plus nine months. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a right. year plus six months. I don't it's, know. It's yeah, crazy. It's ridiculous. Either way. Um, all right, before we get out of here, we'll do some predictions for the week. Three against Baltimore. Four against Seattle, all on the road trip, and then still on the road to start next week as well. Uh, one game already happened. Doesn't change my prediction. Three against Baltimore. I, I was picking a sweep coming into the show, thinking we were doing it last night. They won in 12 here on Monday after we were, before we recorded. Um, I'm still going sweep, and the rest of the way you have Erod and Sale. So, Jeff, this team is just garbage. Um, I was very surprised they went 12 innings tonight, and they really just don't have anything. Uh, Manny Machado played tonight, didn't play tonight because he was quote-unquote sick, meaning he didn't want to play because he's sick of being talked about being traded, and he's going to be traded. Um, <laughs> a lot of these guys are going to be traded, right? Manny Machado probably gone. Um, Chris Davis, maybe you might get him. You, you might be able to let him go. Uh, you have um, Adam Jones, who could be really good for somebody. Say Houston. You know, there are ways for these. This roster needs to unload, and this these guys are waiting until they can play in front of nobody again um, because the, the fans are far and few and far between, and this team is just not good. No, they're garbage. And uh, I don't know. I was I was doubting a little bit because obviously I picked. Just sweep the White Sox, and that didn't work out so well as we know, losing two out of three. So, 
I was a little concerned coming into the series. Nice to see the win in the first game. But yeah, I'm going sweep too because I feel like especially with the offense not clicking again in the first game, uh, I'm thinking that at some point here in the next two games, uh, the offense is going to unload and have like a 10 to 12 run game. And they need that. And I hope that happens. And I think it will happen in one of these two games. So I think a, a sweep is pretty safe. I mean, this is just a crappy team, home yeah. or away. doesn't even matter. So good to get the win tonight, and that will lead you on to the sweep, I hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it has to be. And then, because you really want the sweep, because then you got four against Seattle, who, guys, they're on the West Coast. Don't forget about these guys, because I think this is bigger they're than good. Seattle. They're good. They've figured it out. They've added some pieces, and they're in that win now mode. Um, even without Robbie Cano, um, they, they're, in, they're in that win-now mode. Um, and it's really unfortunate that you don't get Chris Sale in this um, in this series. You get everybody but Chris Sale <laughs> in this series, mm-hmm. at the four-game series. But if there's any of these – if obviously it's the West Coast. Um, there's four games. If you stay up to watch any of these late games, you stay up to watch the first one on Thursday. You have David Price going against Felix Hernandez. And both those guys have been pitching – out of their minds, so and I mean Hernandez has been down in terms of a record, but I don't think he's been that bad. Um, and he always gets up for bigger games. And going against a guy like Price, that's pretty much a big game for most people. Um, going into the series, I, I have to go with a split just because both teams are so good right now. Obviously, the Red Sox have a better record, but Seattle isn't a bad team anymore. And I think people are going to sleep on them because of the name and what they haven't been since Griffey was even there. But I think you split this series. I think you win the first two, you lose the second two, because right now Price and Porcello, I'm pretty putting my, my house money on both of them right now because of the way they're pitching. Yeah, it's a fun series. I mean, they're, Seattle's in a virtual tie with Houston for first in the West. They're 41-24. and 24. They're right behind the Sox. They're just a couple games behind the Sox. So really impressive what they've been able to do. Um, yeah, Felix Hernandez has been really inconsistent. He's had good games, and he's had absolutely terrible games. He's definitely not what he used to be. I'll be interested to see how, how he pitches against the Sox, but uh, not to be boring. But I'm also picking a split because it's hard not. It's hard not it's to. Hard not series. to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a road series, which is obviously tough in the first place in the West Coast trip, and you know they're right there with 41 wins. So it's kind of hard to pick winning more than half the games against a team that good on the road, especially with the way the offense has been playing. Maybe they'll break out against the Orioles, and that will continue into the series. But at this point, kind of hard to pick more than two out of four in this series. Yeah, no, and um, get used to them because Seattle is coming back in, in like a, a series after, a couple series right after that at, at Fenway Park. So Yeah, um, lots of Seattle. Lots of Seattle. Angels are coming Good in. Test. Right before the end of the month, we get to play the Yankees again. Fun. Um, this week should be fun. Obviously, the first game tonight, if anything, it's an inclination. It's going to be hopefully some more offense. That would be nice um, because tonight was zero offense until the, until the 12th inning. So there you have it. Justin and I are boring. We're picking the same exact thing. Um, so we're either going to be right or wrong. But um, overall, I think the theme of this week has been Red Sox offense has been inconsistent, but who cares because Mookie, Bat- Mookie Betts is back. Yay. Um, Shea Otani's career might be over. <laughs> Kidding. And uh, this team needs to figure it out, and they need to win some games because the Yankees are going to make those games up at some point, um, and you don't want to be behind in the arms race when it comes to the deadline. So we'll leave it there. Like I said, important week coming up. Don't forget to follow us at Red Sox CLNS on Twitter. At CLNS Media is the network as well. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher. We're everywhere. And uh, I'll be back next week. Jess will not. He should have a kid by then. Um, if for, by some miracle, you don't have a child. Maybe he'll be back, but I highly doubt it. Um, so... <laughs> 
He'll tweet out pictures of his kid. We'll make sure we retweet for him. Just wish you the best, obviously, and uh, we'll have you on <laughs> in a couple, you. hopefully a couple weeks, if not three weeks. Who, who knows at this point? But um, I'll be back next week. Maybe somebody will be with me. Somebody won't. I'll leave that to your imagination until next uh, next Monday when this comes out. But for Jess Thomas, the hopeful new father, I am Jared Scally. This is Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>